Welcome to the financial series hosted by the Renaissance Fellowship and Mr. Corey D. Moody. I am D. Edward Cheney, Dr. Cheney, some of you, Pastor Cheney, Reverend Cheney. But again, we're so privileged to uh, be here tonight to engage the community, to uh, enhance our spiritual development, and really to learn and understand more about money. There were questions that were raised early today on a Facebook post by Mr. Moody. He says, are you ready to sign that $1 million contract tonight? I don't know about you, but I'm excited about that, ladies and gentlemen. He says, I'm going to what? To the boardroom tonight to get the terms of my contract. How many of you are ready tonight to hear from God and hear from this great man of God? If you want a $1 million contract, listen and participate tonight. One of the things I need to make sure is that we what, like and share. We have to like and share. We're trying to move it to the masses. This is not a get-rich-quick scheme. These are biblical principles about finances. Ladies and gentlemen, we're so excited that you have joined us tonight, and we hope and pray that you will glean something. So have your notebook. 
have your pencil and I have your eyeglasses for, for some of us. We need to be able to see what we're doing here. I'm going to go get mine in a minute. But without further ado, I want to present my brother, Mr. Corey D. Moody, certified public accountant, certified valuation analyst. And uh, let's read him with a hearty amen and applause. Welcome to the Financial Series, hosted by Corey D. Moody, an internationally known CPA, CVA for over 20 years and a USA world champion runner. The Financial Series focuses on Bible-based knowledge about our personal value and financial value from biblical days to present day. Speaking from years of experience in accounting, finance, and wealth management, here's your host, Corey D. Moody. All right. Woo, boy, what a week. What a week, what a week, what a week. And I hope you see me this week, because last week, I didn't have the screen working right, right? So you guys were seeing my screen, you couldn't see me. I mean, don't you wanna see this face right here? All right, so now you see me and we're gonna talk um, about money again, but from a biblical perspective. And last week we talked about Solomon and uh, his riches and, you know, one of, you know, Solomon had built great wealth. And, you know, God kind of said, hey, you know, if you walk faithfully with integrity like your father, I would de declare and command all my promises to you. And what we got to understand and what I had to understand is the wealth that Solomon had built. And Solomon built a lot of wealth. And we always talk about wealth and how much people earn and what their value is. We kind of spoke about that a little earlier. But I want to show you something about Solomon. You know, Solomon, you know, had a great salary. So if you, if you can see the screen, you see his salary. This is King's 1 Kings 10, verse 14. The weight of the gold that Solomon received yearly, so that means every year. This is not an accumulation. This is what he received every year, was 666 talents, not including the revenue from merchants and traders and all from the Araban kings and the governors of the territories. So what that means is he got a salary, but that didn't include the revenues from his businesses, his other businesses, and from the other kings and governors, which means he was collecting the tax. But I just want you to know, I want you to see how much he actually was earning every year. So you see, it says 666 talents. 666 talents equals 23 metric tons. I'm going to break it down because this is gold. Okay, you see, this was weight of gold. So 23 metric tons of gold, that breaks out to 811,000 
ounces. 811,301 ounces. In today's dollars, the, the ounce of gold is $1,728. $1,728 is the value of an ounce. You can go out and Google right now. It may have gone up a dollar or two since I looked at it a few hours ago. But that equates to $1.4 billion a year. So his salary was $1.4 billion a year. Okay? So that's a lot of money. And I know, and I'm going to get into a little bit further, you know, we always get into this debate, Old Testament, New Testament, but that don't apply today, this don't apply today. And I get in conversations with people, and they ask me how I do this, why I do this, or, you know, you know, why did somebody do this, and, you know, how do you know, and, you know, what made them successful, what made them happy, what made them do these things? I say, well, they did this, or I did this, or she did this, and, you know, I start, you know, Telling what people did by their own testimony to me. And if every time I'm asked that and I start giving responses, if not within a minute, people start saying, well, such and such didn't have to do that. Such and such didn't have to do that. It's always what somebody didn't have to do to, quote unquote, achieve the same thing. And I had to start asking myself, am I wasting my time explaining that to people because it's never an answer. It's always what I don't have to do to achieve what these other folks are doing. Then I started laughing. I said, well, obviously, all the don'ts that you're saying these people didn't have to do, it ain't working for you because you're trying to get it but you don't want to listen to what you got to do. So at some point, we just got to do what we got to do and do what God has called us to do. Can't get rid of it. So we always get in this debate about Old Testament, New Testament, what's applicable, what isn't, and all this stuff. For me and where I'm coming from, I'm taking the whole Bible. So if you want to take just a part of it, Probably not going to like this. But it's kind of like, you know, Jesse Owens. You know, I always talk about track and field. I know y'all going to say, man, this, if this man talk about track and field one more time, I'm going to go crazy. But I have to because I want to make it kind of relevant so we can kind of make it make some sense out of it. So Jesse Owens in 1936 in the 36 Olympics in Berlin, you know, this was this real big, Olympics. And you got to understand the pressure that he had to be under because this was this, you know, supreme, you know, supremacy theory going off from Hitler that, you know, was going off. And so he, he is over here having to not just win the Olympics for the United States, but also dispel the supremacy theory. So anyway, Jesse Owen goes on and wins four gold medals. It wasn't till 40-something years later that anybody ever do that feat again. It was Carl Lewis. 
took 40 years for somebody else to do the exact same thing Jesse Owens did 40-something years ago. But as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story is this. See, Jesse Owens won the 100 meters in 10.3 seconds. 10.3 seconds today would not get him, he would not win several state high school meets, let alone try to get to the NCAAs. His 200 meters time was 20.7. He wouldn't win probably very few state meets in the high school. And his long jump of 26 feet. Now that, you know, 26 feet today is still jumping. But his running time really is, you know, nothing to sneeze at. But what he accomplished, you can't take away. Yes, things change. You've got to understand, back then, tracks were cinder tracks, you know, uh, equipment. So things do change. But does it change the accomplishment, what it meant at that time, and does it still apply to what Carl Lewis did? And it does. It took 40-something years for someone to do what Jesse Owens did. You know, Carl Lewis at that time was running 10.01s. You know, and that was the one where Ben Johnson got caught for cheating with steroids. The point I'm trying to make is, Times and records are always broken. You know, they talk about movies, the box office movies. And they say, well, this movie did $500 million. It broke the record of Star Wars, you know, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. Well, if you base it on dollars, yes, because tickets back then were 4 or $5. Tickets now are... 12, 15, 20 dollars. So you can break records by dollars, but did it break the record by the number of people? See, you have to determine what measurements to use in order to track progress for real. And that's why when we went over the, the, the forms, the net worth statement, the budget, and the debt schedule. And we're going to, I'm going to slow this down. I'm going to go back, you know, over the next few weeks and make sure we got, got these concepts. Because I've gotten calls and questions. And I want to make sure these concepts are coming across properly. And people are getting, and, and people don't get, you know, sidetracked or let someone throw them off what's working and, and what God has for them. Because yes, things change, but you can always measure to see how well it compares. You know, what the, you, know you can watch the history channels that where the value of that now would be X amount of dollars. But when it comes to the word, we just want to discount it. So I'm saying that to say that Solomon made a whole bunch of money. And let's stop discounting truths and facts and let's go on now solomon had a downfall oh yeah 
See, something happened to Solomon. See, he didn't, he didn't follow all the commandments that he was supposed to. And I'm going to share this. You know, as Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other guards. And his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. He followed as Terethereth, the goddess of Sardinanians and the Molech and the detestable gods of the Amorites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of God or of the Lord. He did not follow completely as David had done. So we got to follow God's commandments in order to really receive these his promises. I'm going to keep going. Although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. So the Lord said to Solomon, since this is your attitude, your attitude, so since you tripping, I'm going to break it up in the night. Since you tripping and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees, which I command you, I will most certainly tear down the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. So, see, we can be living good and doing good. And, and we see people who are doing well and we think everything's fine but then do we turn away and i have i'm just telling you know look i've lived a good life i've said that several times but there's some things i had to get corrected i had to change i had to understand and i said before i've lost a lot of money not because I was gambling and threw it away. It's because I got out of God's gracious, what he had promised, that covenant relationship. You know, we talked about inheritance. And we we're going to talk, we we're going to hit a little bit more on this. Because what he also said was, nevertheless, for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it during your lifetime. I would tear it down out of the hands of your son. Yet I would not tear the whole kingdom from him, but would give him one tribe for the sake of David and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I've chosen. So when we don't do and keep God's word and his commandments, we may think we're getting away with it individually, but we hurt our generations to come. See, we curse them. And see, these curses and not keeping these commandments are real. And that's why this Old New Testament, keeping those commands are important. And I'm going I'm to touch on it some more. So now Solomon got to kind of enjoy it. But what is it like to know that your son it's going to be cursed because of what you did. That make you wake up. It was woke, it's, it's woken me. 
I don't want my children to be cursed because of me. Forget if I get another dollar. If anything, I want to make sure that my children and my children's children are not cursed because of me. So I want to get it right for that reason, if that reason only. So it's important that we understand that we have work to do. We can't just give it up. And we, we talk about passing it down. And, you know, we know people who have gotten inheritance and, you know, and they didn't have to do nothing. And it may even look like they've getting away or they didn't have to do things. You know, we, hey, we, you know, ex, you know, President Trump, you know, when his business got bad, his daddy was able to give him a million dollar loan. I don't, I don't know if he paid it back or not. But anyway, he was able to get that money. We don't, everybody doesn't have that. Inheritance is important. So we have to keep this, his commandments. And God is always reminding us and having to repeat itself over and over again, because we just don't get it. So let me break it down to you. So we're going to back up a little bit. Deuteronomy. You know what Deuteronomy means? Deutero means second. Namus means law. The second law. Now, it ain't the second law like he changed the first law. What it is, he had to repeat it all over again. Because when we were, Israelites were coming out of Egypt, we, we, we blew it. And what happened, everyone perished. You know, all, all the adults were gone. Only three survived. Joshua, Moses, and Caleb. So in Deuteronomy, what happened? Moses had to repeat the Ten Commandments all over again because these people now, just, you know, 40 years later, now, you know, the kids that did survive, they hadn't heard it. So now they're hearing it from Moses again. Will we listen this time? Well, you know, I, I was already in Kings when I talked about Solomon. We just keep repeating this over and over again. So God gives us stuff unconditionally, right? It's ours. We own it forever. But we have conditional occupation, which means we can only, we can only occupy if we follow his laws and covenant. And that's why this covenant that we're going to write is going to be important. And I've been talking about, are we ready to write our covenant with God? But God would take it. And we may think we're getting away with it, but are we hurting our generations to come? Are we that bad that we don't care about our generations? And they say there's nothing like being a grandparent. And it is different than being a parent. So if we don't do right, I may think I'm getting away, but I'm hurting my kids or my grandkids. 
And maybe we have to be older before we realize we got to make these changes or just really be committed to God. So, you know, God told them, hey, I'm going to give you this land, but you got to go possess this land. It was already occupied. So you got to go fight for it. He just didn't give it to them. He made them go fight for it. So are you willing to fight for what's yours? Or what God has said, this is the promise I made to David, to Abraham. Here's the covenant. And then what I'm realizing that we all have an individual covenant with God. And we got to write the contract. And, we, you know, I've talked about that in prior episodes. Are we really ready to write the covenant? Because a contract is no joke. It's no joke, because understand, prosperity means to achieve or to flourish. Doesn't always mean a bunch of money. It could just be as it could be happy, or you're you just never been this happy in your life before, and the money doesn't even matter. So do we understand what all that really means? How does that work with us? See, we can't do it if we don't have God. But here's the other part. Without us, God ain't going to do it. Which means, see, without faith, it's impossible to please him. See, if we don't do our part, you're like, all right, I'll do it. But if you ain't doing your part, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to chill. See, that's why you, we can't just pray, sit on the couch, and, you know, think, you know, this is, you know, Jesus, genie in a bottle or something. And if that works for you, keep on. You know, if everything is coming together, you doing it that way, keep rolling. I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna stop it. And like I can say, I've had a good life. But there were things I was just missing. Just the completeness. The completeness that I always wanted as a child. And even through all my fallacies and, and things that happened that were bad, I always had a heart for God. And I know it didn't look good. And I know I was missing out of things. And I know, you know, now I'm hurting my, my kids and my kids' kids. I don't want that. I don't want to go down with that on my resume. So I'm fixing it now. So I'm writing my covenant 
and it's going to be a million dollar plus contract. And as I said last week, then I'm going to get the change order. And it's going to be more money, more money, more money. But it ain't just about the money, because if I don't get another dollar, the peace, the happiness, and the calmness that he has brought over my life now, I just can't compare. So I want to kind of bring this Old Testament, New Testament back a little bit more. Because one of the things is, you know, there are laws that Moses said that, you know, in Exodus that people had some of those laws prior to Moses. 300 years before Moses, you know, there's a, there was a king, uh, Amorabi. And now you, when you go to Paris, so before you go to Paris and go out, do all that shopping, you know, in, in, in the best shopping in the world, you know, go to Laver Paris, and, and those things are still there from the, from the king of Amorabi. He had 282 laws. But see, his laws were more harsh than Moses's. And we say we can't live by Moses's because living by the law is too hard. Because his laws, if you didn't do his, guess what the punishment was? It was death. It was death. So what are we scared of? What are we waiting for? See, Haraba's laws were conditional. If you don't do this, I'm going to kill you. But see, Moses' laws were commands. You will do this, and this will happen in your favor. See, there's a difference. And which ones do we want to follow? So, you know, we talk about the Sabbath. I mean, there's a religion built around the Sabbath. But you know, the Sabbath didn't come until Moses. Oh, I know someone to correct me. Oh no, Jesus, I mean, God rested on the seventh day. He didn't make it a Sabbath, though, because Abraham, Joshua, everybody, they worked seven days. Not until Moses came was it a Sabbath. But, of course, you know, it went out when Jesus came. So the Old and New Testament, we can't divide up. So obedience and righteousness brings the blessings, disobedience and wickedness brings the curses. So we have to understand when we write this covenant, we write this contract, what are we going to put in it that we want? But understand, there's going to be stuff in there that we got to follow. I want to kind of give this construction 
analogy. I talked about construction last week about change orders. So let me break it down a little bit more. So in construction, when a contractor signs a contract, he has to put up a bond. That bond is guaranteeing the owner that this job will, be fin will get finished regardless of what happens to the contractor. Because sometimes contractors, you know, fail. And they may have underbid the job by millions of dollars. So we see these contractors who make a lot of money. But what we got to understand is when they sign a bond, that bond, see one job for, for a contractor, they can lose it all. They can lose it all with one job. And they're making millions of dollars every job. But when you sign that $2.3 billion contract and you can't finish it and a bonding company has to come in and finish it, it wipes you out. So keeping that contract, keeping that covenant with the owner, depends on your success every job. It's no different. We have, to, we have to keep it. So Paul said that love is the fulfilling of the law. And it's not a matter of legalism. It's, that's another ism. You know, sexism, racism, you know, we brought this into the, into the Christianity, legalism. People say that. I love, love is our loyalty. And that's what Jesus says, love is to keep the law. That's what we have to do. Now, Jesus, what did he do? He quoted Old Testament. Okay, y'all don't believe me. All right, let me, let me go here. So this is Matthew, Matthew 4. You know, devil was tempting him, say, hey, you know, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man should not live by bread alone, but out of every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, I'm just going to stay here so I can just keep this slide, okay? And then in seven, you know, he just kept testing them, right? And he said, you know, strike this. You know, against the stone, you against your foot. Jesus said, for it is written, do not put the Lord God to, to test. Kept doing, kept, kept messing with him. Jesus said, you know, he said, well, bow down to me. He said, Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. That's what it says. So, of course, I, 
what, what, what does all that mean? Well, what it kind of mean, I think. I, I, I don't know. I'm doing my best, y'all. I promise. Oh, right, it's the wrong slide. Let me see what I can do. So, Jesus came and said, so this is Deuteronomy. This is what he was quoting. He said in 6.13, for the Lord your God, serve him only and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods of people around you. Right? Do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did at Messiah. This is all what he said, right? And then, just to make it sound even more verbatim, he humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with mama, with, with, with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you the man does not live on bread alone, but out of every word that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. So this old New Testament, you can try to divide it because you're looking for the excuses of the things we don't have to do. You can try to put things in small print in the covenant that you sign with God and hope he don't see it. Come on. He sees it. He sees it all. There is no small print in your covenant. It's bold letters. He's helping you put it together. He's giving you the blueprint to be successful with it. And whether it's possessions, your health, your freedom, just to feel good about who you are. That's what this covenant's about. So, we're going to start writing this covenant. And I know I've been saying that. But I had to break this down. Because this is serious business. This ain't no joke. This ain't genie in a bottle. And maybe that's why we struggle. Because we're looking for get rich scheme, skip, get rich schemes. You know, it's so funny that Pastor Cheney said that early. And he didn't know what I had, what I was going to talk about today. He had no clue. No clue. And it's not a get rich, it's not get rich, quick schemes. I can't say I'm tongue tied. That's what happens to me. That's what happens to me. You know, so. It's important that we understand that we got to put the work in. You know, I talked about faith early on. Faith without works is, is dead. So I'm not going to be going back and forth trying to prove 
Old Testament, New Testament. You know, what, what did I read? That either you believe or you don't. I think I, I think I had a little scripture up here. Uh, let me see if I got this scripture before I, before, I, before I go on. You know, about faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he that he exists and that he rewards those that earnestly seek him. So are we going to seek him or we just want to hit the lotto? See, even a card counter in blackjack works hard because he's constantly counting cards, trying to figure out what's What's the best chance of me winning this hand? See, it's they're working hard. We got to work hard for God. And are we willing to do that? To put the work in. So if you believe, Let's go ahead and make let's get let's get these covenants going and we're gonna roll. I'm ready for this contract. And I want you to be ready for this contract. Get ready for the change order. But you gotta understand in construction, sometimes it rains. We get behind schedule. We signed a bond. And if we don't finish this, we can lose it all. That bond that a contractor puts up is just like Solomon when he went away from God's commandments and the decrees. He tried to change the contract, but he tried to do it unilateral. He thought he could get away with it because his riches were so big that he didn't think it would happen. But God find out, found out. He let him go ahead and do his thing, and it didn't work. So I know God will bless us. His promises are real. And as we go forth, we're going to back this thing up just a little bit now. So now when we do these forms, they're going to, they're going to look a little different to you. It means something a little different. And we're going to make this thing happen. But more than anything, we're going to get in a real covenant relationship with God. And that's what makes this thing the better. Is this relationship with God. And if the riches come, so be it. I'm okay with that. You know, it doesn't matter. Thank you for listening to the Financial Series, hosted by internationally known CPA, CVA, and USA champion runner, Corey D. Moody. Don't miss the Financial Series next week at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for life-changing insight about your personal value and financial value based on biblical principles. On behalf of Corey D. Moody, have a blessed and prosperous week.
Ladies and gentlemen, again, another awesome night. Thank you, uh, Corey, for your presentation tonight. Again, ladies and gentlemen, we've got homework. First Kings chapter number 10. We need to read that in its entirety. What does it say to us? The questions that we have, what does it mean when uh, Solomon has so much money? We always view people that are wealthy as bad folk. That's not necessarily the case. The Bible uh, explicitly breaks it down on King Solomon and how much he had and what he had. And as we continue this series, we hope and pray you realize that the value of money, the value of your life, the value of time, talents, and your energies. Again, ladies and gentlemen, we thank you again for joining us. This is a production from the Renaissance Fellowship, Dia with Cheney and Mr. Corey D. Moody. We want you to reach out on all social media platforms, Corey D. Moody on Facebook, on Instagram, his Podbeam, uh, Corey D. Moody at podbeam.com. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we've got to support each other. We've got to share. We need you to like and share great information. And I know uh, that God is to be praised. Again, thank you again, my brother, for your presentation tonight. We look forward to next Wednesday night. The registration is open, and the reason why we did that, we just want to make sure that we're accountable to you and you're accountable to us as we continue this journey together. Again, thank you so very much, those who have joined us tonight. And uh, if you so desire uh, to give to the ministry of the Renaissance Fellowship, you can do that through Givelify. Tap Give Done. You can do it, dollar sign, the Renaissance LV on Cash App, dollar sign, the Renaissance LV. Or you can do it, you can just drop it in the mail, the Renaissance Fellowship, P.O. Box 336921, North Las Vegas, Nevada, 89033. That is the Renaissance Fellowship, P.O. Box 336921, North Las Vegas, Nevada, 89033. Ladies and gentlemen, again, thank you so very much. Thank you, Corey, tonight, Mr. Moody. CPA, CBA. <laughs> and with that, we're going to say good night to you. <laughs>